Hawkeyes News Now Sports has your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks, sponsored by University of Iowa Healthcare. It's always fun coming to Hilton. I hadn't won here yet, so um, got to give credit to their fans. They were tremendous tonight, and um, they're loud. They support women's basketball. Um, they make it fun out there as a competitor. So, um, yeah, good place for this to come. Welcome to a new transitional era of Eye on the Hawks. As we move from football season into basketball season, we're going to have things look just a little bit different. Mitch Fick going to step away from the Eye on the Hawks crew for uh, the majority of the shows moving forward as we go into basketball season, spring season. However, this show ends up looking with it being the first year of running this podcast. We're still kind of in a testing phase of seeing how the show is going to look outside of football season. I think we got into a nice groove when it comes to football season with doing the shows twice a week, mm -hmm. reaction shows on Sundays, midweek shows on Wednesdays, and basketball. We're going to kind of see how it looks <laughs> moving forward, what we want to do. But we're going to have a new co-host with us on Eye on the Hawks, Curtis Fader, stepping into the desk and joining us. So, Curtis, thanks for coming in with us. And, oh, yeah, of course. Um, we have with us, as usual, Mike Howell and myself. Uh, fortunately for the viewers, we have three members of the KGAN uh, corporate broadcast games basketball team with us <laughs> that uh, we can we can talk basketball yeah. and um, we got one win at least right <laughs> I'm I'm the shooter he's the postman <laughs> I'll grab you some rebounds and I'll block some shots that's what I can bring you on the court uh, as usual though this doesn't change you can follow the Eye on the Hawks social media accounts got us on X got us on YouTube that's that's the little play button right yep, I don't ever that's YouTube use YouTube for actual viewership or anything so I, I never know what the logo looks like hey, and that's Instagram and, and you can uh, watch us on uh, Instagram as well or you can follow us on Instagram for I and the Hawks as well at uh, Iowa's News now um, check out all the social medias and you can find us pretty easily uh, as usual I always like to tell people that if you have any topics you want us to discuss uh, anything that you want to bring up, any questions you want to ask, go ahead and sound off in the chat if you're watching us live on YouTube or shoot us an email. Uh, we couldn't be easier to find online. We are very much on the grid, so you can find us out there and um, send us anything you want to talk about. But today we're talking largely about Cyhawk basketball. First, uh, before we get into some of our discussion topics for today, I want to hear some initial thoughts. I was there for the women's game on Wednesday night. Curtis, you were there last night for the men's game, even though Iowa State wasn't going to let anybody except the Des Moines Station shoot on the baseline. <laughs> uh, they, they're trying to transition being an NFL team, apparently. So you were there uh, at least watching on the sideline. Mike, I assume you were watching on TV. Um, Correct. I, I, I want to get some initial thoughts. Curtis, from you, let's hear about uh, some of your thoughts from what you saw out of these Cyhawk games the last two days. Well, for one, Hilton was rocking. Yeah. I mean, every bucket could have been a layup, could have been – a Sports Center top 10 nominee, it was the same reaction. It was an incredible atmosphere, and obviously that's what you expect from a Cyhawk rivalry. You expect them to show up, you expect them to show out, and that's exactly what they did. And you can tell that the players really fed off of that. But second of all, it felt like men versus boys out there. I mean, it just felt like the, if there was one gesture for the entire thing, it's the too small. That's what it, it, that's what it felt like. And the players were hinting at it in their post-game pressers. Like, we knew the game plan. We knew that they were smaller than us. We knew that we could bully them. And that's exactly what they did. And it's hard because, you know, Philip Abracha seemed to be very underrated. And people are now seeing his impact hmm. for the team. Yeah. And obviously, that's the position that you're hoping that Ben Cricky and Evan Bronze can fill. We haven't really seen a lot of Bronze lately. It seems to be Owen Freeman. And he's going to be really good 
later. He, I really want to see what he looks like with a couple off-seasons under his belt. Mm-hmm. But as of right now, with the Big Ten the way it is, there's a lot of question marks and a lot of things they need to figure out. But boy, the fans already really love Owen Freeman. They see what he can do off the bench, and he's been a fan favorite so far. Uh, Mike, any thoughts from the TV broadcast, what you saw out of the last couple nights? Yeah, starting with the men, because that was newer. You know, Owen Freeman is a bright spot. Um, it's just one of those things that I think Fran McCaffrey teams, they, they struggle on defense. You could tell Iowa State could could move and with and drive wherever they wanted to. And I guess I was a little bit surprised at how much they bullied inside. Um, that was their game plan, and, and TJ talked about that. Um, but if they don't shore up that inside defense, it's going to be a long year. Um, I expect since they have a young team that they'll grow into January and February. So, I mean, hopefully we'll be able to see these young guys because, I mean, we have Brock Harding, Owen Freeman, Dembele. We got four freshmen getting major minutes. Uh, Price Sanford, the other one. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just going to be difficult if you can't stop anyone down low. And that's just what happened all night. And for the women, I mean, they went into a tough, their first tough road atmosphere and they went down with like four minutes left. The McLeod Center in Cedar Falls balks at that statement, but, <laughs> but I, I take your point, yes. That's a good point. That's actually what the broadcast was saying, so I had it in my head. Um, but they, they kind of just, they were up, I didn't watch that game because I was traveling, but they kind of just, the UNI game, they kind of had control of it, right? Uh, yeah, pretty much start to finish. You and I did not play a good game, um, but the, and the crowd was, <laughs> I mean, I, I joked, but yes, the crowd was very much not what it was at Hilton, and they were you know, very much there to see Caitlin Clark play, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, I mean, when you go down like that and, and some of your players aren't hitting shots, I think Caitlin scored all the points in the third quarter. Like that, Usually that's a recipe for disaster for the soccer team. <laughs> Obviously, Caitlin's so good, but if, you have to, if she has to do everything, then they're not going to have a good good game when you get those role players and those other shooters going that's kind of when this team excels yeah uh that was actually the i'd kind of tease you guys with a potential uh wild stat and that was going to be the one actually because watching the game when i was there i don't know if any of us noticed that or noted that that caitlin scored every single one of their points in the third quarter and on sports center said that's the first time in her career she's done that where she scored every single point for a team in one single quarter that was i mean that's just incredible um, the only reason yeah. I knew is they mentioned it right after the quarter ended. Really? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that was that was a wild uh, situation. But um, yeah, for myself, I mean, the the women's game. I think that I thought that it would be a little bit more of a wide gap. I think I thought the women's game would look a little bit more like the men's game did. I th- I thought that the experience of Iowa and Caitlin and Kate would separate themselves from who Iowa State was, since they're such a young team. Because it is kind of two contrasting styles that are the same on both ends, where Iowa State is such a young group on the women's side, and Iowa had all the experience, but boy, they really gave them a test. And I was worried there for a while. Iowa got ahead by seven, I think, midway through the fourth quarter. Iowa State came back and made a push, got up by one point at one point. Got up by one point at one point. I think that's <laughs> what I said. Um, but Iowa, you know, it looked a lot like Kansas State. That's how I kind of thought this was going to turn into. Like, shoot, this team is going to give up another lead in the fourth quarter, and they're going to lose this game. But um, Iowa weathered the storm. I think Caitlin even said after the game that she was like, you know, it's it's not like we said anything to each other, or it's not like there was, you know, some big rah-rah moment where we had to go go in the huddle and, you know, talk each other up or uh, build each other up or anything. We just kind of said, all right, here's a game plan, here's a plays, and let's move forward. Um, but Caitlin, speaking of that third quarter, that was the moment when she hit her 3,000th career point 
Third player in the Big Ten to do so. 15th player in NCAA women's basketball. I know I crunched the numbers after the game. I forget the exact number, but at the bare minimum, assuming she stays healthy, she's got 21 games left. I was like, is she going to push for 4,000 points? I mean, she's chasing Kelsey Plum's all-time NCAA scoring record for the women's court. Um, and, and she could come back next year. She mentioned it in the post game, like She's like, I don't know. Even if I come back, I won't play in Hilton. Um, but she's definitely not sold on one way or the other, it seems. Yeah, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Let's hear from Caitlin if she hit 3,000. I had no idea, to be honest with you. And I knew, obviously, I had the opportunity to do that coming into tonight because of you know it being on ESPN and talking to the reporters before. But I honestly didn't know I was going to eclipse 3,000 points until a few days ago. I was watching ESPN. I think it was the South Carolina game. And Debbie started talking about it. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> um, but no, it's cool. And um, like you said earlier, it's, it's special to be able to do it here. I have a lot of family in attendance. and and be able to see that and um but it was kind of the same when I broke the Iowa scoring record we keep playing we don't celebrate it in a timeout we don't stop the game like it's not what it's about as long as we win you know probably wouldn't be happy with scoring 3,000 points in a loss that, that wouldn't be great so um no it didn't really cross my mind it's special when you have a player you know, that is accomplishing great things you just want to showcase her and, and ESPN tonight gave us the chance to showcase her um you know, I, I love our team that they all understand how good Caitlin is. And there's no jealousies. There's no, you know, uh, let down from anybody else. Our circle is tight. And I credit Caitlin for that because of the type of teammate she is. But I also credit the rest of our circle that they understand that, you know, when her light shines, it shines on all of us. It shines on Iowa, the University of Iowa, the state of Iowa. And um, we're going to enjoy it while we have it. We've talked about some of the benchmarks of this means, what this means for the program. Everybody knew that she was going to reach 3,000. What's kind of interesting is she mentioned when she broke the Iowa all-time scoring record. That actually happened at the McLeod Center in Cedar Falls. So she's made both of these benchmarks so far in the state of Iowa, but none on her home court. So if she gets that scoring record, it'd be fun to have that come in Carver as well. Um, Curtis, anything that jumps off the plate? I mean, in terms of reaching 3,000 points, what that means to a player, how, how big that is for somebody like Caitlin to do that? I mean, deep down, it's got to feel good. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that Caitlin is underrated that I don't think people know about her is she's media trained. She knows how to navigate an answer, whether it was uh, after the Final Four with all those ESPN interviews, trying to fester that Angel Reese rivalry. She navigated those waters perfectly. Or when Stephen A. came and was trying to pester her about if she's staying <laughs> or she's leaving, yeah. and she's giving this beautiful answer, then you realize she didn't actually answer the question. It was almost <laughs> very perfect. But I think deep down, she's a competitor. She knows this is good. She wants the record. She wants to blast everybody. I... I'm not shocked if, for the sake of legacy, she might leave after four years just mm -hmm. so that there's no asterisk of, oh, well, she was there for five years. Yeah. She's blasting these records. By the way, it's December. There's lots of season left. She's barely used up a lot of her senior year to break these records. That's yeah. how impressive this is. Yeah, she's averaging a, around 30 points right now, I think. As of the other night, I believe it was 29 points a game, I think, she's averaging this season. So if she keeps going above 30, she could get there. I mean, they would have to make it to the Big Ten Championship game, probably make another Final Four run for her to have a chance at reaching 4,000. I mean, that could be a lofty goal, but for her breaking the NCAA scoring record, again, as long as she stays healthy, it's like almost automatic that she's going to get there by the end of the regular season even. 
Yeah, she, uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong, she was the quickest player too, right? So to at get the, the 3, time, 000. somebody had said second fastest player, but then we were seeing some people say that it was in a, a, like Elena Deladon in the WNBA was the fastest to 3,000. So we weren't. I won an ESPN article and they said Elena Deladon got there in a 113 games and Caitlin did it in 110. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I think she is the fewest games, yeah. which I mean, you can tell by her answers, she doesn't really care. She's a competitor and she wants to win. I'm, I'm sure that is a little bit of media training. She actually will, when she goes, you know, later in life, she's going to look back and she's actually going to be like, oh, you know what? I'm one of the best ever to do it. <laughs> but um, you can tell she's got one thing on her mind, and that's winning championships, which yeah. is, is good if you're a Hawkeye fan. Yeah. Uh, one thing to at least say about Elena Deladon, obviously one of the all-time greats, both in college and the WNBA. But, I mean, if there is one asterisk to her, she played at Delaware. You know, she was doing this against, I, I don't even know what conference Delaware <laughs> plays in, somewhere out east, the NEC or something like that. Um, but for Iowa to be doing this against Big Ten opponents, you know, maybe one of the best women's basketball conferences in the country, um, speaks a lot to her, again, reaching this 3,000 barrier before she even jumps into Big Ten play of her senior season. I'd be curious to ask you guys right now, because it's this is a podcast and we just talk opinions, and you know that's about all that we can really do at this point. If you were to put a number or percentage on what you think Caitlin coming back next year, what the odds are that she returns, what would you say is in your mind right now for where, whether or not she comes back? Painstaking loss in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. That... I don't, because obviously as a competitor, I mean, you've already heard about Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, I haven't beat Michigan. I might want to come back. Mm. He should probably go to the draft, but like she, I think Caitlin knows that she's going to be number one, um, especially if, for example, it's before the Sweet 16 and she loses in Carver to a team. That could definitely influence things. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. We were talking about this. What incentive? is there to leave? Mm. I think she's projected, she's obviously number one, but I'm not sure who's won the lottery yet. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Indiana. Mm-hmm. It's on Sunday. So, oh, is that lottery, right? Oh, lottery right. is, yeah. She so, mentioned a post-game. She's, she'd watch it, but she has a game. Yeah. So would you rather spend next year in Iowa, where you are a god, or go to Indiana and hope that the WNBA's marketing team doesn't obscure you? <laughs> Yeah, And obviously in the age of NIL and everything and all the money is not as big of an object, there's not a lot of incentive to go at this point. But I think everybody's anxiously awaiting to see how she impacts the WNBA. And I have no reason to think that she's not excited to go there. But if there's an extra year to be in her home state playing in front of 15,000 plus consistently, I don't see why she would maybe not consider staying. Yeah. I think it's 50-50. I also think she wants to win a national title. Um, and if I'm, I'm a cynical fan, and you know that. And I guess watching these first few games, I feel like this team's going to have a tougher time in the tournament than, than last year. Oh, yeah. Just with the struggles they've had. I know they're 8-1, and one, but they lost that early game to Kansas State. Avenge that in the tournament, that preseason tournament. And then, you know, this very young Iowa State team, which I think a lot of people thought Iowa would just walk over. And they kind of struggled with, and, and Iowa State has some good young players, but they're still pretty young. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, I wouldn't counter out, but if the role players, like I think Gabby went 0 for 5 from 3 last night, yeah. um, or overall, I believe, if we're not, if we're not getting like contri- contributions from them and Hannah's not healthy the entire season, I, I find it hard to believe that they'll actually make a run, but I wouldn't 
you know, rule it out. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm kind of in the spot personally where my percentage of thinking that she's come going to come back has diminished slightly as the season has gone on. Before the season started, I kind of thought like, eh, maybe 60, 65% that she'll come back. I don't know. Something about it makes me think, kind of like Curtis alluded to in terms of the the asterisk, if you will, um, for whether you know whether she's going to play five seasons and that impacting the record books. I think that she, maybe she would like the idea of having just a clean four years. Came what I did to do. Came to Iowa. What I plan to do, and and now I'm going to move on to the next chapter of my life. Um, and I kind of think she doesn't care about the record books and how like. Oh, you got five years. Yeah, I think she's like so what? Partially, yes. I think she wants to win a title, I mean, and that's the only thing that she wants. You're 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 largely right, I think. We but can't invade her head. Though. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> but also, I I don't know. I think that if she's reflecting on her legacy in terms of NCAA, she kind of knows like, you know, a clean four years is 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 nice to it. But but you're right. I mean, it is going to be dictated. I think a lot by what happens in the postseason. But I will also say that I think that a lot of her decision could be affected by the fact that she's not going to have Kate and Gabby back next year. Mm. I think that makes a big factor her, to her um, having these two teammates that she's been with all four years of college so far um, next year. She would have to be, as much as Kate is the glue this year, they say, and, and Gabby does, does a lot for leadership and defense on this team, next year that would have to be entirely Caitlin. I mean, she would be the the senior leader on this team and would have to be the one to step up and not just scoring and being the offensive um, playmaker like she always is, but she'd have to be the one to also be be the leader both on and off the court. And so um, that's something also I think that she'd have to consider next year. My thing looking forward, and this is way too soon to even do this, is if Iowa could go out and get just a dominant, I know they failed this year, but we're going to have a couple scholarships open up at the end of the year, go out and get a dominant big. Hannah plays the four, like getting actual size because that's what this team's really missed the past few years. And they could really be a contender, in my opinion. Yeah. One thing that I will, I mean, (laughs) they did not get a dominant big, but I don't know if they really tried to or wanted to, frankly, because there, I mean, there were a lot of big names in the portal, but uh, suffice it to say, I think that the coaching staff would say that a lot of them were not good fits for the University of Iowa. And so, you know, some of those names out there that people were saying like, oh, it'd be great to have X, Y, or Z on the roster. I don't think that the coaches wanted them on the roster because they wouldn't be good fits for the University of Iowa. The biggest reason why, this is probably the only, like, negative thing, and it's almost a positive thing in and of itself. Lisa is just so nice, and it's it would gut her to take a scholarship away from somebody to bring in a more talented player. They, she has told us time and time again that each player one through 12 is super important to the team. And if you, obviously most fans who are you know detached would be like, oh, why not replace the 11th person on the bench with mm. somebody who can get in the rotation? But I think she is yeah. really loyal to her players and yeah. is not gonna willingly tell them to go transfer to your point um jada jimphy is you know basically the 12th person on this team but people always talk about how she's the most fun person on the team people love having jada jimphy around so that they they'd hate having her leave um but as we talked about you know this hawkeye team weathered the storm in the second half um the defense stepped up they managed to find a way to to score some points when they need to late in the fourth quarter um and and they, what, didn't allow a three-pointer in the second half? That's correct, yeah. I would say it was 0 for 7 on behind the arc. Yeah, yeah. here's them talking about uh, the second-half defense when they locked down in this game. You know, we knew it was going to be a hard-fought game. They slowed the ball down and, and did a good job with that. Uh, but I thought our defense in the second half was really good. 
uh, especially in that fourth quarter when we, you know, they took the lead uh, and you know, out of bounds situations, getting deflections. Um, at halftime, we talked about three-point defense. They didn't have a single three in the second half. Um, you know, Audie Crooks is she's a great player, um, and she had four field goals at half and ended up with four field goals. So I thought Sharon Goodman did a really good job on her. It was our defensive intensity. I mean, we got a couple of turnover, forced a couple of turnovers at that point. We got 13 points off of our turnovers. Yeah, the the defense was huge, and and there were a lot of people saying like, boy, Caitlin was out there on her her own this game. Um, but to me, that is. Kate Martin erasure. Um, I thought that Kate was outstanding. I mean, even though there wasn't a lot of help from other factors, Kate Martin was was huge in this game. Yeah, but to be to be fair, they do have a little bit of a point because Kate Martin, she stepped up, she had 16, but this is the rest of the starting five. Molly Davis, two points. Sharon Goodman, two points. Marshall, no points. Yep. And Kate Martin is the only person that was in double figures with 16. The next highest is... Seven. From Seven from Sydney. Sydney. Two yeah. Bluters credit or two uh, Sharon Goodman's credit. She was plus fourteen on the box minus, and really? she really did play some. I think she had a couple blocks on Audie, who yep. yeah. is amazing. We'll talk about her a little later, but um, Molly was plus ten, and Kate Martin was plus eleven. So is that right? Yeah. So obviously, if you're starting and you win, your plus minus is going to be good. But um, they really, I thought, some of the role players outside of scoring mm -hmm. did did do their jobs. Sydney Falter had two enormous. Oh, she always does. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> she's so fun to watch. She, yeah, she's the best. She too, I mean, she's kind of like the Owen Freeman of the women's team where it's like she just comes in there and has some gritty plays where she takes the ball away. I mean, she had that one rebound that she just ripped out of Addie Brown's hands and put back in for, for a bucket. And yeah, she's she's just so much fun to watch. They're so tough. It was great to see Hanny, Hannah Stolke back in the lineup. Mm -hmm. um, she hadn't played since Thanksgiving after having a leg injury. So knocked down a three-pointer. Played just 13 minutes, so very low numbers for her. But that's the biggest thing, I think, when she comes back and if she gets fully healthy again, that's going to be a big, big difference for this team. But um, Kate Martin was a solid number two. I think that she did exactly what this team needs her to do in these big games. Go out there, score 16 points, uh, assist on a few Caitlin Clark buckets. Um, and the team talked after the game about what Kate Martin meant in that win on Wednesday night. I would never have thought that we would have won the game with only two people making threes. I, I, that really surprises me, to be quite honest. Um, but, you know, Kate always, I just, I count on her to step up for us. I mean, we know Caitlin gets all the attention as far as defensive attention. And so, you know, Kate just, people don't understand how good she is and how hard she is to guard. Uh, she's explosive off the dribble. She can post you up. She rebounds well. She can knock down the three. Um, you know, in my mind, Kate doesn't get enough credit. I'm a monster Kate Martin fan. Uh, I thought she was the difference in the game. Obviously, Caitlin's amazing, talented, one of the greatest women's players I've ever seen. But Kate Martin was the difference in the game, in my opinion, both offensively and defensively. And that's a kid that gets it. She understands it. They're, she's well coached. She knows her role on that team, and I think you can see her growing even at this age. So very impressed with her. I think Bill Finley is right, and this is, again, what we wanted to see out of Kate Martin because her season really started slow, and I think that, that was a lot due to the fact that she was really sick um, <laughs> leading into the season. I mean, she didn't Oh, even, really? Yeah, so on, on media day when we went and talked to the team, she wouldn't even be on camera just because she was so ill that she like just didn't feel well. And then we, when we got a chance to shoot practice that day, she didn't even participate in practice. She was so sick. 
Um, and, and she was still, I think, feeling the effects on the day at the crossover at Kinnick. There was question, questions of whether she'd even play that day. Um, and I, so I think that that illness lingered into the regular season a little bit because her numbers were not there for the first few games. But the last, I think, four or five games, she's really picked mm-hmm. up and outstanding. So I think that she's just finally back to full strength, and this is what we can anticipate seeing out of Kate this year. Um, and, and we should correct Coach Bluter, as you pointed out, Mike, that there were actually three players who made a three-pointer between Caitlin, Kate, and Hannah Stolke had a three as well. That's big um, for Hannah because if she can stretch the floor yep. and make a couple of those shots, not even a lot, just a couple here and there so the defense can't um, just collapse, um, that's going to be huge just for the spacing moving forward. Yep. Um, and, and yeah, the, the team did get what they needed to out of some of these role players. Um, Sharon Goodman had a couple of those big blocks on Addy, as you pointed out. Um, Molly Davis, you like to see a little bit more out of her, but still, I mean, you know, she does what she needs to do when she's out there. Um, but yeah, the, the one question mark has been Gabby. I mean, it, it's a similar storyline to what we saw this team last year, where Gabby just was a really slow shooter out of the gate. And I know that fans love Gabby for her defense too. She's a great defender mm-hmm. and that's the big thing that she's going to serve out there. And so if it's a game kind of like they had in the final four, I believe, I don't know if Gabby took a single shot in the Final Four game against South Carolina. Um, she was just basically put out there to be a defender. Um, and if it's a game like that, then okay, I guess that's what you get. But when she is putting up five three-pointers in a game or when she's going one for seven on three-pointers, that is a detriment to the Iowa roster. And it, it's, it's man, I really wish that Gabby would have gotten off to a better start this I mean, year. The biggest concern is who can create their own shot. Mm-hmm. For example, we saw this in the LSU game when Caitlin Clark – and Sonano were in foul trouble, and they were both on the bench, and it was kind of close at that point. It was single digits, but then, obviously, with everybody on fouls and the way that game was refereed very tight, couldn't really get any stops when you needed to, but when you're trying to get a shot, nobody was getting open. Nobody was drawing separation, and you really wonder if Caitlin Clark, maybe Caitlin Clark's under the weather Mm. during a Final Four push. If she is not Herculean, Obviously, we're seeing Kate Martin stepping up with points, but Caitlin Clark's creating a lot of looks for her. Mm-hmm. She creates a lot of looks for the team by getting penetration, drawing people in, dishing it out. She's actually very unselfish for such a good score. Who can create shots for the team? Yeah. As much as this team is, I mean, this is a Hawkeye podcast, and so we're going to be talking mostly Hawks, but we should address the Iowa State team and, and what they are going to be because, uh, as we've said they kept this thing a lot closer, made it a lot more interesting than I think a lot of people anticipated based on the fact that they only had one player on the roster that was on the same team last year. That's Nyamere Du. Um, she came off the bench for Iowa State last year. She was the only one who's on this team that's just filled with freshmen, with transfer additions. And they had one out, right? Emily Ryan. Uh, Emily she, Ryan, yeah, who hasn't played this entire season. She hurt. Of, I guess I, I missed that. They, they've been very vague about it. In the yeah. preseason, they said that she had – um, that it's a medical issue, I think, is all they said, mm. but have never specified what it is. So she was there. She was sitting on the bench for the team, but she hasn't suited up for a single game this okay. season. Yeah. Um, they lost their backcourt, yeah. Ashley Jones and Lexi Donarski. They got gutted by the portal and, and by the draft, of course, with, uh, with, with Ashley Jones and Stephanie Suarez leaving for the draft, of course, too. Um, but, boy, this team is going to be really, really good for the next few years. They're so young, and all their great players are freshmen. Um, Audie Crooks, I, I know you and I, Curtis, I think had a chance to see her playing for Bishop Garrigan last year. I mean, we knew that she's a special, special kind of player at the high school level. There were some questions about how that was going to translate to the college level. Did, did you think that she was going to be this good when she got to Iowa State? I mean, I don't know, and it's weird because like, I don't want to 
preemptively anoint her because obviously the Big 12 schedule is still out there. You know, there, there's a lot of big, and for example, you know, we were just mentioning how Iowa's post-defense is that a little suspect. I wonder what that's going to be like against a, a rough, tough, like we're going to beat you in the post type of team in Big 12 or potentially in March Madness if they get there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this team, they're always in it to win the Big 12. So I'm very curious if they can turn it on late and maybe they can win it again. Yeah, I was really impressed with uh, her and Andy Brown. Just it seems like they were going punch for punch with this number four ranked Iowa team. Um, I didn't expect that. I didn't watch them, though, yet. So, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I think they've taken some knocks early. But if they come out and play like that, they're going to I think they could make the tournament. Um, Let's let's hear a little bit about Audie Crooks. Um, I've got a few numbers to throw at you guys once we get back, but let's hear what they had to say about Audie after the game. Oh, I think they're tremendous. I mean, again, I think Audie Crooks is absolutely fabulous. Um, they've got great young talent. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna do a great job, and they're gonna get, keep getting better and better as the year goes on. I think coming into this, there were not a whole lot of people that thought that we could genuinely win this game. I think a lot of people thought we were just going to roll over and die and let them do what they wanted to do, but I thought we showed a lot of tenacity, we showed a lot of fight, and we competed. And with four minutes left, we were up. So I think we learned that when we collectively click and when we play together and we're cohesive, we are a phenomenal basketball team. I think we, uh, we proved ourselves right tonight and uh, proved that we can hang with anybody. And when we play like that with each other and fight hard, you know, for 35 minutes and compete as a team, we can compete with anybody. And now we just have to build off that and continue, like, continue to play like that against everybody, not just Iowa. Addie Brown, who we heard from as well. Uh, Iowa, Iowa folks might not know Addie as well because she's an out-of-state out pickup, but I believe she played in the McDonald's All-American game. Um, so she's one of the most elite high school players com- coming in, into uh, the college game this year. Audie Crooks this year. Um, didn't start at first. She started, I think, the last four games. Right now, she's averaging 15 points a game, five rebounds a game. You've got Addie Brown, another freshman, 14 points a game, seven rebounds a game. Um, their third starter, uh, who's a freshman, is Kelsey Jones, of course, the name that Cyclone fans know. There have been two other Joneses who have played for Iowa State. And Jones is a coach. Yep, and uh, Kelsey Jones is right now. At, she didn't. Ha- she only scored two points the other night, so she didn't have. She wasn't much of a factor against Iowa, but she's right now averaging seven points and five rebounds a game. I mean, shoot, this these might be your three best players, nightmare do aside, and they're they're all true freshmen. I mean, this is going to be a team that I think could even be a dark horse contender in the Big Twelve this year. Outside of Iowa State, I don't know a lot about the Big Twelve and who are who the, some of the great teams are going to be. I know Oklahoma is good, K State. Um, but, uh, so I don't know. They could be a dark horse contender this year to finish in the maybe top three or four in the league. They'd maybe be a favorite going in, into the next few years. If they have everybody back, if yeah. they don't get gutted by the transfer portal again, this is going to be a really tough team in the next few years. Yeah, Texas, Baylor, and K-State are the three teams ranked right now in the Big 12, all in the top 13, Texas at five. So not a lot of ranked teams, um, but, but always a decent con- conference, and they just got the additions of Houston, BYU, and Cincy. So I, I don't know. Gen- those are good men's teams, but I don't know how they are in the women's. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati, I believe they should have Jillian Hayes. No, no, it's for volleyball. Jillian Hayes, by the way, <laughs> sister of Jackson Hayes, who was in the NBA. He went to mm. Moeller, but Jillian went to my high school in uh, right? Loveland High School in Cincinnati, Ohio. I think she's playing volleyball, actually, but she was a very talented basketball player. I wouldn't be shocked if she was on Cincinnati as well. Yeah. 
Bring in the Cincinnati knowledge, Curtis Bader. <laughs> that's why I bring you on the show. Oh, yeah, um, that's what all the Hawkeye fans Yeah, are. I mean, they're, they're a team that if they can play that well against number four Iowa, you know, this is a team that if they just get a couple of upsets, maybe beat Baylor or something, hang with Texas, this is a team that could be an NCAA tournament squad this year. So can't put anything past Iowa State. Gosh, I've been impressed with them as they've uh, mm-hmm. as they played in this early season. Tough start, but they're really starting to find their groove. Yep. Um, yeah, they're, they've still got a few more warm-up games. They're going to play you and I, a couple more non-conference, and then they start Big 12 play, I think, on uh, the 30th of this month. Um, but transitioning to the men's game, um, a tale of two kind of nights if you're a Hawkeye fan, because as much as you love that Cyhawk win on Wednesday, Thursday was a very unwatchable game. The men have had two very unwatchable games in a row now. Um, struggles across the board. Um, I don't know. You, we want to jump right into one of these sound bites and hear from yeah. hear from the team. This one's from Fran McCaffrey, just talking about first the struggles and then one you know semi bright spot in the first half. So this is uh, Fran. McC- it was kind of like the other night. We you know we didn't get enough movement, whether it be ball movement, people movement. Uh, you know you got to give your opponent credit defensively. They were working hard. And we missed some guys, but uh, we have to do more screening, more cutting, more penetration. And we just kind of moved it side to side, and somebody shot at the end of the clock. We got we need more activity to challenge the defense in a better way. Uh, you know, Peyton certainly had hit some threes. Uh, you know, make four threes, that's pretty good. And he made some early to kind of keep us in the game early. Uh, you know, and he's in a tough spot. You know, he, I mean, he had 14 and what, 14 and six. Uh, you know, playing him kind of a little bit out of position. You know, not he's six seven, so he can play the four spot. Uh, but you know, we were going to move him around, and you know, we'll continue to do that. Now, far be it for me to use Cyclone Larry as a expert of uh, college basketball, but uh, Cyclone Larry said after the game, he was like, "That's the softest Division One basketball team I've seen," referring to Iowa. Um, and they certainly looked that part, though, for a lot of that game. I mean, they just could not hang with Ugh, those guys. I hate agreeing with Cycle and Larry, but I texted all my <laughs> friends in our Hawkeye group chat just in the second half. This is a soft. This is soft. Yeah. Um, and I mean, coming from me, like I'm soft as well, but I'm not a Division <laughs> One basketball player. It's yeah. just, man, the defensive intensity, and it's been a theme the past in the Fran McCaffrey era. And usually, they beat that by scoring more points. Mm-hmm. But they were missing shots, and they don't really have one of those elite scores like they have in the past four years, it seems, with Chris Murray, Keegan Murray, Garza. So just to me, it seems like it's going to be a tough year. Um, a, a rebuilding year, get the young players minutes. Hopefully they grow. Um, speaking of, like, Brock, I'm glad he got a lot of minutes last night in a good environment. Th- these kind of games will be beneficial down the long run but it just kind of sucks watching them yeah. <laughs> as they play out uh curtis from being in the building i mean any year takeaways i know you you probably know the ins and outs of basketball better than i do um just like watching the game in person what, what were some of your ta- yeah. biggest takeaways i mean you heard fran talk about the cutting and trying to have better movement they were basically kind of frantically circling around the three-point arc and iowa state's guards were tracking them mm. and they really couldn't get separation and you're trying to f- there's a, an identity issue i feel like because Who's the main guy? Who is the scorers? Who are the great defenders? What lineups click? Mm-hmm. How do we play small? How do we play big? Because, you know, you're switching all these things out. Brock Harding, he's really good, talented ball handler. He's got that fast twitch. 
He's a little smaller, so you're trying to wonder, people are probably wanting him to be more consistent of a shooter, and that is something that Ty Perkins can fill. Mm -hmm. But you're wondering who can provide the defense. And also, like it seems that Fran doesn't know where to play Peyton Sanford. <laughs> Uh, Sanford has also gotten into foul trouble a lot, and Price has had to come in. Obviously, he's already said he doesn't mind playing the freshman, but what is, if the score is tied 60-60 to 60 with three minutes left, who's his five? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know either, and I think a lot of fans are trying to figure that out too. I kind of wish they just put Cricky and Freeman, start yes. both of them. Um, Freeman has looked like, and you know, he's had some mistakes. He's, he's a freshman. Yep. He looks like the one with the most promise. Um, and I think you just need to let him grow. Um, and, you know, the, the, still, there's still, to me, I don't feel like either of those, Cricky and Freeman are elite defenders, but Freeman's better. Yeah. So I think they need both need to play because he can, because Cricky can score too at the four. Playing an undersized position, especially when you have some bullies down low, it just doesn't seem like it's the, it seems like those get set up for failure, but. You know, if you hit some outside shots, maybe that's different. Yeah. Um, the, the Maybe one bright spot for the Hawkeyes is that just about everybody in this roster can return next year. Uh, ben Cricky is going to be done after this year. He's used up all of his eligibility, and so they're going to have to try to go out and find some other big in the portal, I assume, um, while also developing Owen Freeman as they go along. Evan Bronze is a couple of years left, so we'll, we'll see if he turns into something. Um, but that is the good news is that at least you have most of these guys coming back next year. Yeah. Um, I might raise a question to you guys. I mean, we've seen a small sample size, but <clears throat> we I just brought up the question 60-60. Who's your, who's your five? Who would you put in to try to win a game? I mean, I, mean, it's, I guess at this point it's got to be Cricky, like uh, with, with no other options. I mean, Cricky has looked really good in some games this year. Mm -hmm. um, didn't have it the other night, but... Um, Great, he looked amazing. Yeah, um, but Cricky's had some really nice games, and he's a guy who... Um, Seems to be catching a lot of attention right now, so I guess that's who I'd go with. Yeah, I, I think he's been better overall. I just think defensively, and Freeman probably gives you more. I, it sucks because when Cricky can't hit those mid-range shots or isn't hitting the mid-range shots, like he, like he was against Creighton, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why he played so well and he scored so many points. But those are tough shots. Those are like low percentage shots. So you don't want to rely totally on that. Mm -hmm. um, but when he's not hitting those shots, it's we're missing a lot yeah. from our five. Yeah. We yeah. also haven't mentioned Patrick McCaffrey at all. And he's yeah. supposed to be, I think everybody was expecting him to take the step up and be the next big scorer that everyone can kind of fall behind. Him and Stanford were supposed to be kind of the co-leaders of the team. And we haven't, we've seen flashes of it from Peyton Sanford. Yeah. But from Patrick, it's, it's weird because it's, you know, there's a lot of these young guys that could be good. And, and you're wondering if you're, his minutes are going to start dwindling a bit. 16 minutes last night, zero points for Patrick. Um, I, you know, frankly had honestly forgotten <laughs> that he was on the, I forget he's on the roster at points, frankly, um, just because he has been such a non-entity for so many games this year. Um, he, he also can come back. He's got two years of eligibility, or excuse me, one year of eligibility after this one. Um, but uh, he's another guy that can come back. But I think, yeah, that's been a disappointment to see him not, step in a bigger role this season. Um, same with same with Peyton to a certain point. I think that I really thought that Peyton would be that next guy to put up, you know, average 20 points a game or something. His scoring hasn't quite been there. Uh, he's been very good, very serviceable, and I think, you know, what he 
should be on a normal college roster. He has been that, but they just need a lot more out of him this year based on not having a lot of guys returning to this team. Yeah, I think they defensively can focus on him more because there isn't a Chris Murray to, to take some pressure off. Um, and that's probably why he's not scoring as much. It's just because people know he's deadly behind the three-point line. So he's just not... There's not a lot of separation when you know, they do try and get the ball to him. So that would lead me to believe that either Dix, Bowen, or P- Perkins, like we need to f- have them, you know, penetrating more inside. And um, I think they tried to do that. It's just the turnovers were, got killed in, in the first half with turnovers. The two big takeaways, points off turnovers, I would say had 25 and I had nine. And then points in the paint, 46 for Iowa State, 18. And that was all about, when Iowa did try and get to the rim, they were defended really well. And this team, this Iowa State team, is pretty good defensively. And um, yeah, I just it was it was tough to try and get in anything in, down low. Yeah, and they they spoke about that after the game that uh, that that's going to be that was a struggle the other night, and we'll see if that's a struggle moving forward as well. Well, more than anything, like our identity has been and will continue to be about attacking the paint first and and going inside. And again, when pick and roll they play the ball screen two guys come to the basketball uh, we felt like there were some opportunities to get rob and trey going right away our guards did a great job making the reads those guys did an exceptional job finishing and going right at the rim and and that set the tone for the whole game i think when you go in there and have success right away um you know it, it sets you up for future success now it opens the drive up more i think we we took advantage a lot i think that uh one thing that we really emphasized and talked about in our film sessions and stuff was that they didn't really have a lot of rim protectors and that um as long as we you know stayed patient and uh and really got to our spots. Um, we, we could do really whatever we wanted to, and I think that we did a great job of, you know, listening and focusing and letting, you know, the film translate over to the game. First and foremost, uh, defense wins games, defense wins championships. So having the pride that getting the stop, getting playing great defense uh, is absolutely uh, a prime example of what we did tonight and uh, what we're going to continue to do. Here's a couple final thoughts on, on the Cyhawk and men's basketball especially. Uh, Mike, I, I think you've said that maybe Iowa basketball is your favorite sport to follow or one of your favorite teams to follow. Yeah, for, for I guess it, it changes every year. Like when Aaron Rodgers was taken to the Super Bowl, it would be different, but yeah. I'm a Packer fan. Um, the, the earliest memory I remember being a Hawkeye fan is me and my dad watching Hawkeye basketball. Yeah. So like I've always enjoyed it and taken it way too serious. And they haven't really <laughs> had a lot of success in March, which yeah. just kills me since like I remember getting out early and watching the 99. Mm. I think 99 was the last trip to the Sweet 16. Yep. I remember watching that game. So earliest moments, I remember, you know, 2001 Big Ten title game over, I believe, Ohio State. And then 2004 against or 2006 against Indiana, like. Mm. Those are the moments that I remember. I am curious to hear, well, I, I shouldn't say in your memory overall because there were some tough times under under uh, the big lick. Um, but in the Fran McCaffrey era, do you remember two back-to-back games where Iowa looked this bad? I mean, they've looked really, really bad against Purdue and Iowa State. <laughs> um, yes, but only because the first two or three years we had a losing <laughs> season and I went, I was in college and I went to every game. So <laughs> there, I, I can't, I mean, I'd have to look back, but there was a lot of times where we'd go and Iowa would just be outmatched. Really? Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that first year, I believe one of the first games of the year they lost to UTSA at home. So like, yeah. But outside of that, when, when they finally got turned around and went to the tournament a few times, I don't remember, but it seems like every year at Mackey, 
they get beat pretty bad. Yeah, that's true. He's only won there once. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mackey's a tough place. And usually these early season Big Ten games, once they started those, it seems to me like we always, like Iowa always gets stuck with Purdue and then some other team that's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of tough road tests, while I have this in my mind, a little trivia for you guys. Do you know the one Big Ten arena that Lisa Bluter has never won in? Um, If I had to guess, I'd probably say... Would it be Indiana's? No. Nope. Oh. Ooh, Michigan? Well, gatekeeper, release the information. Maryland, my Maryland. Oh yeah. Ooh. The last Iowa win at Maryland was in 1993 or something like that. Um, they had went over there for what would have been a non-conference game back then, um, and they have that not, makes sense. They have not won at Maryland since they joined the Big Ten in 2013. I was just kind of looking to see all the different arenas that Caitlin Clark has won a game in. I was going through. I was like, nope, not in Maryland, not in Maryland, not in Maryland. Of course, Angel Reese would have been there for uh, at least one or two of those matchups, I think, when she would have played at Maryland. Um, but, yeah, uh, since they joined the Big Ten, Lisa Blue's never won over there. And they will have a chance to do that, though, in either January or February. I know they go over there. Um, but speaking of another coach, Fran McCaffrey, I think he entered the season, what was it, 12 wins or 13 wins away from breaking the Iowa all-time coaching wins record? Something yeah. to that effect? Whew. If they look the way they did the last couple of games, uh, can they win six more games this year? I don't. <laughs> I think six, th- they'll win six more, but yeah. Um, I mean, that's a good question. Like, I'm just pulling up the schedule right now. I mean, um, they have they have a couple of pretty weak non-conference games coming up. They have Florida A&M and Des Moines. I don't know much about UMBC this year um, or Northern Illinois. The Retrievers. Yeah, but uh, w- once they get into Big Ten play, uh, again, if this is the Iowa team that we can expect, there are not going to be a lot of W's yeah. on that schedule. Uh, but I think we are kind of overreacting a tad. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure they're going to make the NCAA tournament because, I mean, they were on the bubble for a while last year, and that was with yeah. Chris Murray. So that's realistic. I don't know if their season's going to tailspin. I mean, you're looking at – Teams they beat last year. I mean, they beat Boo Booey last year. Mm-hmm. I don't. Northwestern looks pretty good this year. I'm yeah. not sure, but I mean, Rutgers I think is doable. They play Michigan on Sunday and they're favored. Michigan's w- four and five. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So, I, yeah, I think these two losses have been to two good teams, and I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa State is a middle seed in the NCAA tournament once they get going. Mm-hmm. I know they have like three losses right now, but mm-hmm. um, I could see it going either way though. Like, if they had a really down year and were close to 500, I wouldn't be surprised because I don't see that one score, you know, that, that jumps out at you like they have in the past three years. I would not have overreacted like this after the Purdue game because, you know, they don't have anybody to match up with Edie and uh, not that anybody really does. And so that's a red like, flag in itself, but that's another story. <laughs> but uh, but th- so that game, I was like, well, that's going to, yeah, that's a loss. But I thought... Like, well, at least they well, might keep it close with Iowa State, who's going to be a good team. And they, they, that game never felt like it was close by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. That's true. To be fair, last year's Iowa State game wasn't close the opposite way. And I think Iowa State was fine. Um, and the year prior. And they, they missed Chris Murray that game. Yeah, That's true. Also, the year prior, yeah, 2021, Iowa State won by 20. That's true. So. That's true. And then um, in two years' time, they might win by 30. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if that's the trend. A lot, lot changes once Big Ten play starts, um, which it does on Sunday for both the men's and women's team. Um, uh, we, we've got a, a bowl game pick going on for Eye on the Hawks. Uh, Mike, I think you put this together. Want to plug this baby? 
Yeah. So we mentioned it on Sunday when we did our, our football podcast and I kind of, I tweeted it out, the information I'll tweet it out again today, but, um, just on the Hawks pick and we have about seven people that signed up right now. So yeah. Um, I don't remember when the first bowl game is coming up probably the next few weeks. So, um, probably like 16th or 17th. So I was gonna say, even I have not signed up for this yet. So I love, uh, I'm still riding the high of winning my NCAA bracket tournament in uh, fourth grade. So (laughs) I got a free LaRose's gift card and you know, it's good pizza place. Nothing online, just bragging rights. We'll probably shout out the winner unless it's like ESPN fan zero, zero, blah, blah, blah. Like the first looking forward to receiving that. Thank you. Um, but yeah, Sign up. I'll tweet out, you know, once or twice a week before the bowl games hit. Sounds good. All right. Well, keep joining us for Eye on the Hawks and keep an eye out on our social medias for when our next live show is going to be. Again, we're still kind of feeling things out, how they're going to progress in the basketball season. Um, But you can follow us on all of our social medias account. Of course, Twitter, X, YouTube, and Instagram. You can check us out and um, we'll keep you posted for what uh, the future looks like for this show. But I know we're going to be still having some regularity with this. And when Iowa football gets a little bit closer to the bowl game, I'm sure Mitch Fick will step back in and we'll have some discussions about about what things are going to look like against Tennessee at the Citrus Bowl come January 1st. But uh, I'll, I'll just say goodbye from our crew and uh, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you at an indefinite date in the future here on Eye on the Hawks.